The resurrection has changed everything. And we're going to talk about that here in just a few moments. Today we're ending our narrative series. And this is a series where we have looked at some lies that we believe, some traps that we fall into, and we are replacing them with God's truth. And we're ending this today. And then next week, we're starting a brand new series on the book of Psalms, where we're going to take some of our favorite phrases, verses, even an entire psalm, and break them down together. Terrence is scheduled to speak. James Griffin from Cross Point City Church is, is scheduled to speak. Pastor Brian, it's going to be a great, great series. I hope that you'll join us and I hope that you'll stay with me throughout our time together today. Because at the end of today, I'm going to give you a secret. The Apostle Paul calls it a secret and then he tells it to us. And so I'm not going to hold it back from you today either. You know, there's a whole pack of lies that can sound like this. It's always going to be this way. This is just the way it is. There's nothing I can do about it. Nobody cares. I'm all alone. I'm not important. I don't matter. It doesn't make a difference what I do. I want to say the first one again. It's always going to be this way. That's just the way it is. That is a whole pack of lies. And if something inside of you kind of stood up and said, that's me, then not only are you believing these lies or some of these lies, but you have this bias towards them. In other words, anytime you hear something that kind of reinforces that, you just go along with it. You allow your circumstances to filter and reinforce some very damaging lies in your life. And if you're not careful, you can fixate on negative circumstances and unmet expectations. You can live your life under this one heading that summarizes all of those things. I'm a victim of my circumstances. Now being victimized by someone is a reality in a world that is broken and deteriorating because of sin. Being abused and abandoned are real things. Negative thoughts, negative feelings like sadness, anxiety, depression, resulting from the things that you have actually been through are a reality and we would never diminish them in a world plagued by sin. But to remain in those lies, to believe those lies is to make a choice to remain in those circumstances. And there is a remedy to this mentality in the form of a promise from God. He spells it out very clearly. There is a truth that will lift you up out of this mindset. And I'm gonna share it with you at the end of our time together today. But first, let me tell you what today is on the church calendar because you may not know, today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. I mean, some of you just got nervous and some of you just got really excited. I mean, some of you kind of backed up from the screen and some of you just went all in just now. I mean, I, and, I, and I know a little bit about both of you because as I've shared before, my family kind of has both sides of this coin. I mean, I was raised spending my summers with grandparents, one side of my family, independent fundamentalist Baptist, the other side of my family, hand raising, hair raising, loud, Church of God, Church of Christ. I've always referred to myself as a hybrid, so I feel like I understand. But you know what? Pentecost Sunday is not about denominations. It's about something that happened on the church calendar, and it's an important day to recognize. In fact, one of the ways that we realize this is an important day is that when Pastor Brian 
started this prayer initiative that we call in the Northwest Atlanta area 404 Prayer, and it has different names in different parts of the country. It was determined that today would be the exclamation point on the whole thing. But maybe more important for you right now is how can the events of this day put an exclamation mark on your circumstances? Let me give you just a brief summary of what this day, the day of Pentecost, is all about. Many of you know it from Acts 2 in the New Testament, but it's actually something that's been celebrated for hundreds and hundreds of years, even before that, on the Jewish calendar. Another name for this is called the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot. And it's a look back on a particular event in history. See, around seven weeks after the Passover in Egypt, the Hebrew people have now left Egypt and they find themselves at the base of Mount Sinai. And Moses goes up the mountain and God gives him a message for the children of Israel. And here it is from Exodus chapter 19 today, verse four. Says, God says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In Jewish tradition, this moment is thought of as the wedding vows of God. The creator God is now with the children of Israel, with the Hebrew people. He is moving his redemption plan forward by wrapping his arms around this particular group of people and making a covenant with them to treasure them above all else. That's a wedding and thought of that way. Listen, I don't remember exactly what I said to my wife when we got married on October 3rd, 1997. My uncle officiated and gave us vows to repeat and we did that. And I don't have any clue what I said. I can sort of guess, maybe get it right, but I don't really remember. In fact, there was a moment in our ceremony, we had one of those kneeling benches. I'm not sure we asked for the kneeling bench, but it was somebody's idea. So we had one of those kneeling benches. And so we both kneeled down, Angela on one side and me on the other. And this is like the first time that we've really had a conversation all day. And we're having this conversation and people told us later, that was so sweet. I couldn't believe, it was so amazing to watch the two of you talk to each other. We are kneeling down and Angela is saying, the first thing I'm hearing from her on this day is I'm about to pass out. I'm about to pass out. We got, we got married late on a Friday night and it had been a long day. She probably hadn't eaten, probably hadn't had enough water. Maybe she had locked her knees and she's saying, I'm about to pass out. And I'm just saying, please don't pass out. Please don't do that. Just stay with me for just a little bit longer. The ceremony's all, and yes, yeah, she made it through the ceremony and it was great. So we weren't whispering sweet nothings during our wedding ceremony, but rather we were just trying to survive, but we did survive it. And I want you to know that in that moment, the reason we were there is because for me, as her husband-to-be, I was choosing her and I was telling her that I was going to treasure her and love her above all else. That is the commitment that God is making to his people in Exodus chapter 19. And that's the commitment he wants from us in return. And then three days later, there's an unforgettable scene. A lot of amazing things happen three days later in the scriptures, don't they? Three days later, there's this unforgettable scene. The scriptures say a thick cloud full of lightning flashes descends on the mountain of God. And Exodus says that Moses brought the people to the foot of the mountain to meet with God. And verse 18 says, now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. 
the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet, the voice of God grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. Now go there with me, if you would, for just a moment in your mind's eye. Put yourself in that wilderness at the base of that mountain. Feel the wind on your face. See the smoke, the fire, the earth quakes, the sound of the voice of God, trumpet and thunder. This is how God Almighty makes an entrance. And then on this day that would be remembered and is still remembered today, God gives the 10 commandments that begins with, you will have no other gods before me. This is the God who says, I'll treasure you. I want to give you my presence always. And in the years that followed, they created this celebration, this feast, the feast of weeks that would remember Long after Passover, seven weeks, almost 50 days, right around 50 days after Passover, God giving them the Ten Commandments, God giving them his presence, his commitment. You know, one of the Jewish traditions that goes with this moment says that when God gave the Ten Commandments, the sound of those trumpets and, and thunder were the sound of God giving those laws in every known language on the planet. It's just tradition. The scriptures don't spell it out that way, but it was something that people knew about and it plays a role in Acts chapter two. Let's go there. Acts chapter two, verse one says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So Pentecost, the same thing that the Jews have celebrated. This is just a Greek word that shapes it a little differently. Penta as in 50. Now 50 days after Passover and somewhere in the neighborhood of seven weeks after the resurrection of Jesus, his disciples and many others are all gathered together in one place in Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. And then verse two says, and then suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What did this look like? I have no idea what tongues like fire may have looked like. But think about this description for just a moment. Here we are again, wind, fire, a sound so loud like thunder that it cannot be described, so loud that a crowd of people came from all over Jerusalem who were also in the city for this feast. A crowd gathers to try to figure out what is happening. And as the disciples try to explain what is happening, Everyone who comes hears the words of the disciples in their own native language. Absolutely unbelievable as God makes his entrance in a brand new way. Now for us today, it's as if God draws a line from Exodus 19 to Acts 2 to say to all who would believe, I give you my power, I'll give you my word, I give you my Holy Spirit, I am giving you my presence. And the truth is this, as a follower of Jesus, with the presence of God unlocked in your life, you're not a victim, you're victor. 
You're not a victim, you're a victor. And you don't put a period at the end of that circumstance, at the end of that sentence, you put an exclamation point. Let's change the lies that say you're trapped in your situation, that things will never get better, that this is just the way that it is. You are invited to link arms with Jesus and to share in his victory every day of your life. I wanna say again, I would minimize your pain and suffering or anything that's going on in your life. I wouldn't say there's not a pandemic. Some of you have lost jobs. You've had the rug pulled out from under you in ways that you never anticipated. Some of you are dealing with feelings of being overwhelmed with anxiety and depression on a level that you've never dealt with it before. I didn't say you haven't been mistreated, that you haven't been abused or abandoned or victimized or that you haven't suffered, but do not let those things define you. Let the presence of God and the character and nature of Jesus who was wholly dependent on his father define you. Your trials and sufferings do not get the final word. The cross of Jesus gets the final word and the resurrection is his exclamation point. His resurrection is resurrecting us today. Let me give you a scripture that will shift your attitude and then just a couple things to combat these lies and replace them with God's truth for your life. Romans chapter six, the apostle Paul says that for those who've believed in Jesus, we're not slaves to sin. That means we're not slaves to sin or its consequences like death or anything else that sin might cause us to experience. And then verse 13, I feel is so important. The apostle Paul says, do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. That's the phrase I want you to remember. So I'm gonna gonna say it again. We're gonna talk about it. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. What did the apostle Paul just say to the Romans? He says, present yourself as resurrected, intentionally, consciously, Present yourself to your circumstances, to your life as alive from the dead. When you are praying and thanking Jesus for his death and resurrection, finish that thought with, because of Jesus, I am resurrected too. And every day you are invited to link arms with Jesus and to share in his victory for your life. For the believer in Jesus, eternal life is not just a future thought. It is a present fact about your life. And the scriptures tell us to take hold of that. Sin and its consequences like sickness, pain, and death have no power or authority to make you a victim. So how do you get your eyes off of your circumstances, real and difficult as they may be, to move from victim to victor? Here are just two quick things. The first is to serve somebody. Serve somebody different than you would be something else I would add to this. Do you, do, do you want to defeat the lies that say it's always going to be this way and there's nothing you can do about it? Let me ask this. Do you want to be a part of biblical racial reconciliation and put the kingdom of God on display, serve someone who is not like you. Be intentional about it. When they ask why, just tell them, I'm just trying to get my eyes off myself. Philippians chapter two, verse four says, let each of you look not to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. You know, keeping your eyes on your own circumstances, difficult as they may be, will destroy you. 
and you'll take other people down with you. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I love that phrase. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. These words conceited and provoking are not flattering. You don't want them to describe you. A couple of other words I was looking to see, what are some alternatives here? Empty and combative would be some other ways that you could say this. How have you been abused or mistreated at the hands of others or been treated unfairly? I'm, I'm sure it's happened. I'm, I'm sure it's happened. But I want you to move from victim to victor and it doesn't happen by accident. It has to be intentional on your part to get in stride, to get in step with the spirit and to take your eyes off yourself. And we all have a responsibility to live by the spirit and to help others do the same. Look at the very next thought. The apostle Paul wrote this as one letter, not as chapter and verse. So he just keeps on going with what we know as chapter six, verse one says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, so important, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When you see someone hurting, even if their hurt is causing them to sin, as a believer in Jesus, you have a responsibility to attempt to restore them with a spirit of gentleness. That is a form of serving them. But keep watch on yourself so that you don't get empty and combative as well. But by being intentional to serve someone else, you link arms with Jesus and you unlock the power of the presence of God living inside of you. Let me give you one other thing that will move you out of your circumstances today, help you get unstuck, help you move from victim to victor today. Just one other thing, simple thing, it's gratitude. Gratitude is a tool in the toolbox of the Holy Spirit that is available to you every day. I love the story of a Scottish minister by the name of Alexander White. He was known for beginning his messages with some type of thanksgiving. And a story in a history book shares that there was one day when it was just even extra gloomy, even for Scotland. There was extra rain, there was extra clouds, there was extra gray in the sky. And a man walked into the service that day and said, certainly the preacher won't think of anything else to be, of anything to be able to thank God for on a wretched day like this. But Pastor Alexander White began that day by saying, we thank thee, O God, that it is not always like this. And maybe that's where you start today. Listen, this is not trite. This is not about making everyday Thanksgiving. Gratitude is not about circumstances or possessions. Gratitude is about a person. It's about Jesus. Psalm 28 verse seven says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him, my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts. In other words, it worships, it praises. And with my song, I, what? I give thanks to him. For his good grace. Psalm 112 verse 7 says, He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. The practice of gratitude gives you confidence in him. It's not, gratitude is not about circumstances. It's not about possessions. It's about a person. And that practice will allow God to redeem every awful circumstance. That daily practice of gratitude will allow God to redeem every awful circumstance in this life or the next. Oswald Chambers says, the great enemy of the life of faith in God is not sin, but the good, which is not good enough. The lies of the enemy would whisper, Jesus 
you're not enough. You haven't done enough for me. The truth of God's word is that because of Jesus, the power of God lives in me. And because of Jesus, I have everything I need. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and lives in you as a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. And that brings me to the secret. I loved when I read this a few weeks ago, kind of fresh and new, I'd read it before. I love that Paul calls it a secret. And then he tells us what it is right away. You're gonna recognize it, you're gonna know it. You didn't know it was a secret because you know it. But I want you to apply it to your life and to share it with everyone you know. Philippians chapter four, verse 12, the apostle Paul has just finished saying, listen, I've learned the secret to being content. He says, I know how to get along with humble means. I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. He says, I have the secret that will move you forward in any circumstance. I've got the secret. And here's the secret. One of the most well-known verses in the scripture. Philippians chapter four, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the secret. Same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The lie of the enemy says, you're a victim of your circumstance. Nothing's ever gonna change. It's never gonna get better. But the truth of God's word is that you have the victory. You get to share in the victory that was bought for you with the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary and was sealed with an exclamation point with his resurrection. Let today be a new day. Let today be an exclamatory day. Let today be the day where you recognize the presence of God in your life like you've never recognized it before. You are invited to link arms with Jesus and to share in his victory every day of your life. Would you pray with me, church? Wherever you are today, listening to this message, listening to this service, would you just bow your head? Would you just take a moment? If you're a believer in Jesus, would you just thank God for his resurrection? And then would you just allow the Holy Spirit to ask you this question? Are you living like he's resurrected? Are you presenting yourself as resurrected? That's what the scriptures tell us to do. Are you presenting yourself as if you were once dead? and you've been made alive. If you're listening to this today and you've not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want you to know that your circumstances from now into eternity will only change. You will only be able to get through them if you would link your arms, as you've been invited to do, to link your arms with the God of the universe and then he will move you through 
He will walk with you. He will be with you. He will give you his spirit. He will give you his presence. The same way he gave it to the nation in Exodus and to the church in Acts, he will give it to you at the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that moment can be right now. Would you just pray and would you just say to him right now, God, I put my faith and trust in a resurrected Jesus. I believe that He died on the cross for my sins, that he shed his blood for all the mistakes, for all the ways that I miss it, for all the hurt, for all the injustice in the world. It's all been covered by the blood of Jesus. All the hurt and injustice in my life has all been covered by the blood of Jesus. Receive that today, that love and that grace. And I reach out today to begin to take hold of eternal life, life that is truly life. Today, if you prayed in your own words to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and wherever you're watching this, would you just take a moment and let us know? Would you take your phone? Or right there, you can message from your computer if you want, but probably easier to take your phone. And would you type in the number 770-222-2125? And then would you just put the word follow in there to let us know that today you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. If it's easier for you, you can email us at follow at westridge.com. But we want to come alongside you and help you get started in your journey with Jesus. We want to help you take your next steps. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have not abandoned us. There are moments that it may feel like it that things are never gonna get better, that things are never gonna change, that this is just the way that it is. But God, would you lift us up out of that mentality? May we present ourselves as resurrected people and live out the truth that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We are victors today. We are overcomers today because of Jesus. And we thank you for that. In his name we pray, amen. You know, I said we wanted to help you take your next steps if you've just put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But if you have never gone through our next steps material at Westridge, we'd love for you to take some time the month of June and do that. As you go through this, you'll learn some things about the church. You'll learn some things about what it means to follow Jesus. And you'll also have the opportunity to create your own spiritual growth plan. It'll give you a great basis as a disciple to move forward and to grow in the character and nature of Jesus Christ. Thank you for being with us today, church, on what has been an important day. Let's continue to pray for our country. Let's continue to be intentional about being a part of the solution that God wants to bring about. Be reminded today that we are the children of another kingdom, of another family, and it is bigger and it is greater and it is eternal, and it will win. Let's live as resurrected people. Have a great week.